Dana Carvey breastfeeds a baby. Natalie Portman shaves her head, and Robin Williams pretends to be straight while pretending to be gay. This week on 30 2010. 30 2010, here we go again. Analyzing decades. To episode 11 of 302010, where this is for the March 11th through March 17th, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Hmm. So we're looking at 86, 96, and 06. I'm one of your hosts, Brett Elston. Hi, Brett. I'm Chris. I'm Henry Gilbert. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-E-Y-T-R-
a few years later, that's when Bill Gates got in the news as like the richest person in the world is this dweeb. And uh, that, <laughs> that changed. I mean, that was a, another thing that changed culture. That yeah, yeah. Who, if you had things about, oh, who's the richest man in the world? You'd be like eh, some Saudi prince or or uh, some other like businessman. Instead, yeah, it's this nerdlinger. They were all oil magnates, like yeah. left over from like the 1800s. And instead, <laughs> this guy who made a thing mm-hmm. on a computer with glasses and ugly teeth, like he's Jeez. he's worth sixty million dollars. Uh, movies this week Billion. yeah uh, movies this week March 11th to the 17th uh, Gung Ho is out <laughs> and of the Japanese yeah, buying yeah. out America yeah and it's also number one this week again based on the way the, the weeks play out over the years Ron Howard directed with Michael Keaton yeah. starring in what is it it's uh, they go to Ch- Japan to uh, I forget he the, goes to Japan to run a, a company a, a car company yeah. right in the middle of a yellow panic uh, yes. financial yellow panic the fear of the rising sun mm-hmm. type right. thing was happening yeah. in the 80s Japanese are coming in and buying all our companies mm-hmm. and making really good cars and Oh, sandal wearing goldfish tenders? Yeah. <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference, everybody. Uh, Talking Simpsons. Um, yeah, well, you got to put rice in these cars or they take gas. Honestly, like Honda, if I ever buy another car again, it's going to be a Honda. Honda's oh, yeah. the best. They still I love my Toyota so much. I had a Toyota Camry. It lasted for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Just sold it, still working. Yeah. But, I and, can't kill it if I try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is when Michael Keaton was a comedic actor. Like, yeah. That's yep. what he was known for as just the jokester. He's he's not the Joker. He'll be known as Batman later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he was he was a com- comedian. And this is the same. There's a lot of other... What was that Tom Selleck one that was him? Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Baseball son. There, <laughs> there were just a series of these films, and uh, I'm I'm betting the Japanese uh, maybe come off as slightly caricature. Oh, I'm sure it's. Very I'm sure it's a very sensitive topic. depiction yeah. in yeah. Japanese. Yeah, well, I know it's got uh, was it uh, Getty Watanabe? In of it. course, of course, um, Getty. The he's only... always funny though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's is so but cute. Just the shit he gets handed, you're just like, oh, Getty. George, I guess George Wentz, Mimi Rogers, John Totoro. Oh wow, hey. was he your neighbor too? <laughs> It's a Totoro joke. Good uh, also, at this week uh, was Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. Not the Britney Spears movie. Oh. Not that one. Mm-hmm. Not a movie, not yet a director. But it is DVD a story <laughs> about a, a music. It's a made up musician biopic, and uh, I think he sells his soul to the devil, not unlike that one guy who famously did it. Like, not metaphorically, like literally sells his soul I to the devil. Robert Johnson. Yeah, it's a Robert Johnson type tale. I don't believe. And he dies young, but then they do a. Then they do a reboot. Uh, they do a sequel to it that star that recast him as Chris uh, Christopher McDonald or the the Robin. What was his name? Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. McDonald was Happy Gilmore. But this is uh, around <laughs> when Ralph Macchio stopped starring in things that weren't karate mm. kid. And now he just doesn't oh, yes. do anything. Ralph Macchio is Lightning Boy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I'd rather I would rather watch the Britney Spears film. But it's also it's a Walter Hill movie. Like oh wow. Well, yeah. All right, maybe not then on the Britney Spears. Fresh off of no, fresh going into Red Heat with Arnold Schwarzenegger wow. and Jim Belushi. Oh. But following up the Warriors and Streets of Fire, which are beautiful films. So this quote from Ebert again. We have a lot of Ebert quotes because he just has so many great takes on movies, but. This is He's a dead critic you all know. Yeah, it also Gene like Shallot says. <laughs> yeah, and everything his entire archives online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and too. it just sounds so like to look through. It seems like at first a you're not really selling me on this movie mm-hmm. cuz it's kind of a slam yet also kind of positive where it's like talking about crossroads. 
Uh, it borrows so freely and is a reminder of so many other movies that it's a little startling at mm-hmm. the end to realize how effective the movie is and how original it manages to feel despite all the plunderings. And you're like, so I should see it? <laughs> it doesn't matter now. I don't even think this is on DVD. Yeah. I challenge you, listener, to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Out uh, this week also, When the Wind Blows. Oh, what? this is the most depressing movie. I think it's the most depressing animated movie ever made. Really? Because what is it? I've never heard of this one. It's by the same guy who did The Snowman. Yeah. A year or two we earlier. Jimmy Murakami? Uh, no, yes. but four years Whatever. earlier. Um, debuted Christmas Eve and on the BBC. Yeah. Um, Your snowman expert. So it's about this old couple, and um, then there's an, a giant nuclear war, and this old couple just kind of tries to keep on going, and wow. they start getting sick, and there's no food, and everybody's dead, and it is really fucking heartbreaking. I got it. It's Grave of the Fireflies meets Cocoon. Sell it. Print it. Put it on the poster. Yeah, I mean, Grave of the Fireflies and then uh, what's the other one? Like Black Rain or something. A lot of the super depressing story of Obama. (laughs) Being around uh, anything around (laughs) nuclear war is not pretty. Yeah, so it's it's science fiction, though. It's not about, like, Hiroshima or whatever, right? Right. It's it's about what would happen if the, yeah, if everyone. If Trump became president, boom. yeah, but it is, it if is, the full-fledged nuclear war happened. It is weird that I I grew up at the tail end of... Because that was like a fable for within American culture for 30 years. The nuclear destruction mm-hmm. and how you live through it. Yeah. Not necessarily the, let's see, catch up with Mad Max 100 years after the apocalypse. But like, yeah. right. but like living through the apocalypse, there were a ton of movies like that. A ton of TV movies like that. Uh, on this mm-hmm. subject, since we won't get to talk about it based on the fact that it happened in 1983, mm. this reminds me, though, of uh, that movie, The Day After, yeah. right, right. which was, I'm look, I just out of curious, out of curiosity, went to look, because uh, it's, you know, Cold War, mm-hmm. nuke scare, big time, everyone's, yeah. like, terrified of what's going to happen if we end up going to nuclear war, uh, was watched by more than 100 million people on that initial broadcast, and uh, wow. Wow. Remains the highest rated television film in history. Yeah, I just wow. I remember doing duck and cover drills. Oh yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. industrial films left over from the fifties. Like, yeah. this is inevitable that this bomb will explode, probably from Russia or Japan. So here, figure out Not how Japan. to. Japan, they're they're, you, they're making you, too much money. If you duck down in a ditch next to the playground, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Yeah. You'll be fine, yeah. kids. And it, I just, I remember it stopping. I remember it stopping when I was about nine years old. We stopped yeah. having those drills, and then we kept doing them for tornado drills. <laughs> uh, TV because movies. It was kind of light this. Week uh, for TV also kind of light at the risk of us just not recounting the same eighty sitcoms every yeah. week. Uh, David Copperfield is in China, <laughs> so oh, right. I mean this was at a time when you could just air a thing of like it's magic on TV. <laughs> yeah, but it's still the well, special. It would like, be the big thing though. Yeah, yeah. he's going to make the Statue of Liberty yeah. disappear. No, he this, is, this he, one. He, he went through the he walks through the wall right. of David China. Copperfield the is one, wall of China. one of the wealthiest entertainers in the universe mm. yep. because of these specials. These kind no, of, it's can you verify that the whole he universe? Owns, he owns like a, a like a giant island, but the universe. Yes, yes the universe. He's a very he's a very rich entertainer. Mm-hmm. Still doing it. Still doing it up in Las Vegas. Five nights a week. Him and Chris Angel like have a disappearance off. Were well, they... it's funny to see the, the the magicians of the '80s, David Copperfield. The magician of the '90s, I would say, was uh, David, David Blaine. Blaine. The of the OOs was Chris Angel, and I don't know who's the jackass now. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel hate, about musicians. I fucking hate Chris Angel. He is magicians. the worst, the worst. But uh, the David Copperfield one yet yeah, was one of the first like 
China still was not opening up its borders to much of anything back then. And mm-hmm. so it was a big deal for him to do it also to even to get to mess around with the with the Great Wall however he did it. To, oh, yeah. to make it to is that the, what he did? Make it disappear? He walks, he walks, no, he through, walks it. through it. Yeah. He walks through it. And he pulled it off. And, yep. Well, at the same time, like Penn and Teller have been popular throughout all of this. Uh-huh. And if you don't know, because I don't really see them much on television anymore other than like their show or bullshit, the, their mm. show on Showtime. Mm. But they made a, a kind of a living out of exposing how these tricks were done. Yep. <laughs> like recreating them and then showing you exactly how they were done. And they specifically poked a lot of fun at David Copperfield at the time. Well, Copperfield was such a like very self-important guy. And who was the famous lady he was oh, with? Oh, yeah, he was married uh, to... Claudia Schiffer. Yeah. Claudia Schiffer, that's yeah. right, that's right. I was almost going to say Christy Brinkley, but that's uh, different. You look at David Copperfield and could never guess he was straight. He looks exactly <laughs> like Liza Minnelli. Oh, Siegfried and, <laughs> the Siegfried and Roy thing was happening at the same time, too. Mm. They were getting pretty big. But, uh, yeah, I miss I miss TV magic specials. Yeah. I do. Like, I miss I, when this... Fox was exposing them. Uh, <laughs> uh, how yeah, the masked magician. Yes. Him That's and, how that tiger got out of the cage. Um, also, this week for TV, uh, March 11th, People's Choice Awards. Ugh. Yeah, the People's yeah, Choice right. Awards. Those are Dick Clark's awards, the late Dick Clark. Damn, and they were, they're, they're known as the ones that people actually get to vote on, which was a, a hard thing to do 40-ish years ago when they started. But now anybody can vote on anything so, all the time, and it's boring. Through a series of 800 numbers or something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, I can... And it's a very diverse list because it's music, TV, and movies. Just like, like this show! show. <laughs> oh. No game show. Here's some of the winners. Favorite new song was We Are the World. Yeah. Uh, favorite new TV comedy, Golden Girls. Yeah. Okay. Favorite young TV performer, Emmanuel Lewis. I like it. Uh, favorite all-around male entertainer, Bill Cosby. <laughs> uh, and also the Cosby Show one. Uh, uh, and also best cl- favorite classical music performer, Luciano Pavarotti, which just seems made up for it's that like, one. Says this what, they knew they could get Pavarotti, so they have to give him an award. Sybil so, Shepard won yeah. for a TV show, Meryl Streep. Right. Back to the Future was the favorite motion picture. Hey. And uh, Bruce Springsteen and so uh, it's important Kenny to note Rogers. here. Thirty years ago, uh, favorite movie actor for the People's Choice Ooh. Awards, a man we thought was going to win Best Supporting Actor, Ralph Macchio, Sylvester. Stallone. Oh, really? Yeah. Sliced alone. It was boy. What would he have been for eighty six? Because Rocky eighty three going Rocky into over was eighty four. Yeah, so oh, okay. we'll just love his the cut of his jib. So it would have been an eighty five film. Would it have been? It would have been over the top. That was a huge failure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, was was the People's Choice Awards? I think they still give them out to this day. Like, uh, yeah. but if, uh, I mean, cares? once, once, yeah, everybody gets award. awards. All, they always were. But who I, wants this? What would the people think? Exactly. Trash. We all know what the people think. You already vote with your dollars. Yeah, it's true. That is, I heard that argument on uh, the Best Show podcast. He had this funny thing about how why are we giving out the SB awards because wow. all these all these sports awards because mm. your award for sports is winning. Now, wait, if you won, <laughs> then you're the best at sports. The year prior, Stallone was in both Rocky Four and Rambo Two. Like ah, arguably, wow. mega high points for not only his career but those franchises, and then sh- that led straight into the hellfire that was Cobra. Um, <laughs> well, he yeah, only did that's coming the, up soon. Yeah. He only did oh. over the top because he was paid a ridiculous sum of money. That Electric Boogaloo people no keep to. recommending it. The documentary, not the yes, movie. no. Oh, wow. God, that is confusing. <laughs> They should have called it literally anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> taking us out of the 80s, because this is just one of those weeks where no, no one huge thing other than David Copperfield walking through <laughs> the Great Wall of China. Uh, nothing big happened. But the 90s segment coming up next has is, is a pretty beefy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much beef. But music this week, uh, Sarah by Starship is number one. Sarah. 
I always did love this song. Is this Starship is in Jefferson Starship, or are they different? Right. No, it, it was Jefferson Airplane, then it was Jefferson Starship, then it was just Starship. Because they had no founding members left over. Oh, this is uh, smooth no, they had music. like one or two. I, love it. I could totally get my teeth drilled with this. I love the idea of updating your band name, though. Why doesn't that happen more often? The video is Branding, great man. 80s. Just I'm in a big farmhouse in the middle of like a dried up field <laughs> and like looking sad in every direction. I can cast sorrow in a, in a globe around me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but taking us out of the 80s segment, uh, released this week 30 years ago, Depeche Mode's Black Celebration. Oh. And I was big into Depeche Mode in the 80s, and I was more into Duran Duran through the 80s, 90s, and to this very day. Uh, so those two kind of occupied a similar space in my head, even though their music's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. But I was more into Duran Duran, and since alphabetically I view them as rivals, uh, <laughs> as well as Bob Dylan, who anytime I would go to look for Duran Duran albums at, at a record store, record stores kids are where they used to have <laughs> CDs and albums that you could buy. This is where physically. you physically find these somewhere before Jermaine Dupri. I was, yeah. I he was, was always dated. It was always Dylan, 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 Dylan. There's no Durant. Like, I was very sad to see that uh, the Rasputin at Powell st- Station got shut down. The one next Aww. to the Blondie's Pizza. Oh yeah, closed down. Just shut up shop with no no warning. Even Aww. man, when that amoeba on hate goes, it's going to be a sad day. Oh, that is a cultural touchstone. But the song I know off of this album, uh, Black Celebration, because they're like, Enjoy the Silence is still a ways yeah. off. But uh, this album, the song I know is Stripped, mm. uh, which is a great Track song, seven. which was also covered by Rammstein in the, in the <laughs> late 90s. Uh, but we'll go out with Black Celebration Stripped, and when we come back, 1996. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to 302010. We always appreciate your support over on lasertimepodcast.com and on Twitter and on YouTube and on our Twitch channels and all that good stuff. And in addition to the other shows that we usually promote in the show, I also do a video game music podcast. And this week I thought the episode was extra interesting because it's a game that I don't think many people played, but then it ended up having a really great soundtrack. So if you're listening to this show, I assume you know soundtracks like Streets of Rage, maybe even Outrun. Uh, both popular on the Sega Genesis, but this week's episode was Superman for Sega Genesis, and the music is remarkably good, uh, way better than you have any right to expect it to be, but uh, let's take a quick listen.
man. Isn't that like basically outrun? Can't you see like a cool convertible ripping down a pixelated highway? If you like the sound of that, check out VGEmpire.com and VGEmpire on iTunes. New episodes post every Wednesday, and part of that was unlocked thanks to you on Patreon. Patreon.com slash LazerTime is where you can support VG Empire, LazerTime, Vigi Game Apocalypse, Talking Simpsons, Cape Crisis, Cheap Popcast, and of course, LazerTime itself. But enough for me, let's get back into the rest of 302010. All day, you gotta do what they say. But lunchtime is all yours. That's why there's Lunchables Pizza from Oscar Mayer. Make your own three real pizza crusts, sauce, all the toppings. No need to heat it no matter how you eat it. Lunchables brand pizza from Oscar Mayer. Your pizza has arrived. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain. But that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know I shun fancy things like electricity. At 4.30 in the morning, I'm milking cows. Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows. Fool, and I've been milking and plowing so long that even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone. I'm a man of the land, I'm into discipline. Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin. But if I finish all of my chores and you finish thine, then tonight we're gonna party like it's 1699. Uh, bringing us into the 90s is one of the most 90s things that could ever happen is Weird Al's parody of Coolio's song, Gangsta's Paradise, <laughs> with Amish Paradise. Bad Hair Day was released uh, this week, thirty, she's twenty years ago. Wow. I was so into this album because Alapalooza from his prior album with, Jura- with Jurassic Park yep. and Frank's Two Thousand Inch TV and oh, all that. Love that song. L- yeah, was super into that album. So when this one came out, I was, it was like a day one album purchase and just listened to this for about a year. Was, <laughs> did he still have the mustache in this one, or was this yeah. his first post? Okay. Yeah, this is still mustache. Um, it was sad when he lost that mustache. He liked, he it's, it feels like he's been around longer without the mustache than with at this yeah. point. Yeah, kind of like Simpsons season uh, 20 <laughs> through... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to give it to Weird Al for staying... He has succeeded in staying yeah, so current his entire Like I career. mentioned about Penn and Teller, half of his act is a response to current things that are happening. It can yeah. never go old. Yeah, It can never get old, but his classic stuff you can still hear him do eat it and you're like yeah <laughs> it, if i i think i've said this a billion times weird owls off the deep end was the first cd i ever owned uh, uh very influential on me I, re- I really like comedy i really like music i couldn't understand why all my cool friends didn't love weird owl it's the and it's the best single best live show i've ever seen in my life hmm. costume changes he works so hard custom on that, sketches yeah. it is great oh, yeah. it is phenomenal the fat suit comes out completely for that song Whole band uh, dresses up like Devo during the show. I know they still. It's, then he it's puts amazing. on his uh, to, when he sings the um, the Phantom Menace song. He gets in full Jedi yes. garb, and, and I'm so, I'm so happy that it's not yet sad mm-hmm. that he's not doing these costume yeah. changes in like small dingy rock club standing room only. It's still yeah. happening in, in arenas, and I feel like he'll quit before it gets too mm-hmm. sad. When it's just like ten years from now. Hey, Weird Al, you're 65. You're going to be in a 2,000-seat arena. You know what? Nah. nah, I I, I won't do that. I think if you like this show, you kind of... You would love to see a Weird Al show. It is a, it is a yeah. rip-roaring trip through all of these decades. It is, yeah, because he's been, like... He was a big deal in 84. Mm-hmm. Na- he was as big a deal in 86, 96, and 2006. Like, yeah. uh, by 2006, that's kind of like the white and nerdy era for him. Yeah. And it's still... Mm-hmm. He's still a huge-ass deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, this album, uh, Bad Hair Day, was, I don't know, I listened to it so much. It actually ended up, uh, sold 1.3 million copies in the U.S. in 96 oh. alone. Nice. And that's just another example, like, that's a comedy album. Mm-hmm. Again, CDs are like $20 each, so 1.3 million. Uh, and then Running With Scissors, I think, did even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also, at this week, Oh Coolio didn't like him doing that cover. Yeah, by but he's, the way. he's full of shit. Cause yeah, he gave. He he's a liar. Over. Yeah, yeah. The Weird Al. And I, uh, he no. goes. He, Weird Al goes to great lengths uh, his, to his, get permission. What he does is covered by yeah. parody law. He is legally justified to do this, but never does it if he doesn't have permission. And Coolio public. No, I'm, I'm not with that. And like everybody here has known Weird Al longer than you <laughs> and knows that he asked you and you gave him permission. Yeah, yeah he didn't mm-hmm. make the song. Yeah. And then... At this point, uh, Coolio would be happy to be on Celebrity Fit Club. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, oh, finally, good deal. Oh, but what else? Sorry. Uh, also out this week, it's just a big week for out for music in the 90s. Uh, Celine Dion falling into you, yeah. which is, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back the to me now. The song where it is now. clearly about her getting it on with her handler. So, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> and doing I, butt stuff, I'm guessing. Because just the, the lyrics are just like, everything is so different and weird. And uh, Where did you put that? When you, touch, when you touch me there and put, put more, it here. It's, it's like, more than any law would allow. Yes, that's uh, the one. Which, oh, boy. Uh, so yeah, the, I remember the, when we sang in a karaoke and as we got to those lines, everyone's like, what the what? fuck? So the None of us remember this. So the thing about Celine Dion is that she was a huge star in, in French Canada before yeah. coming to America. And she has an incredible voice. And uh, until he recently, like this year, died of cancer, mm. she had had the same husband slash manager since her teens, her early teens and uh renee, the second consecutive episode we've had to broach this subject by the mm-hmm. way uh his name was renee and she in her i remember in her behind the music she put it as like no i was the aggressor and he said no to me and then when it was finally legal then we got together and I, it just doesn't that doesn't seem real but they stayed together for a while so I mean, it was re- it was real whatever. in their hearts yeah, it was real in their heart who and, are you to say henry and she it was said, more than the law would allow <laughs> and she's had a bad 2016 as well at the start because on the same day the same day her brother and fa- uh husband not father <laughs> her brother and husband died on the same day the, the week david bowie died like that same wow. week wow. They, she lost cow. both of them wow. you know it's interesting you mentioned that because i'm going to throw out a tidbit for 96 that pretty much only i care about that uh march 13th 96 lucio fulci and christoph kislovsky died on the same day wow what well fulci you know (laughs) maker of the italian horror film fulci is the man who gave you a zombie fighting a shark (laughs) zombie christoph kislovsky is a polish filmmaker who gave you the three colors trilogy yeah that's right oh aids took him and uh yeah, red, white, and blue. So, yeah, reds and don't go making phony calls. Yeah, another bad hair day. Is sweet, <laughs> can't uh, stop. Look also, at the out this week. Um, wow, out this week. <laughs> this is the same week. Oh, Al, that's was, that was foolish for you to come. Is back. a song called MMM Bop? Yes. Shot with a video shot in the same car Sandra Bullock drives in the beginning of Speed. Oh, really? um, yes, you learned that from Pop Up Video. I, I probably guess. did. Yeah. I probably did. Pop Up Video is a TV show. Uh, yes. I, I wish I could speak more on this song, but like to my generation, who was like very serious about their music, we were all very mad at Hanson, and yeah. I knew literally like, one person yeah. who was unironically in, into this. I know it was cool to shit on them. Yeah, it was cool yeah. to shit on them. Now whatever. I appreciate their ability, and uh, it's just like music is such a dying art form. It's like yeah. oh, good for these kids. Got a band yeah. together, making music. 
I just accepted right away. This is not for me, and I don't really care. Yeah. I remember girls my age, like 14-year-old girls, were into them because they were non-threatening boys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. very girlish looking. White as a day is long. I have a feeling when... It, if whenever a movie cuts back to like the mid '90s, it can always do that with this song. <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. it'll be so easy. So yeah. the album Mbop is out this week. The yeah. single, I guess, they launched it later, but the album drops this okay. this week. So the 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 craze of Mbop when the Hanson took over airwaves and this song and so much other stuff. Uh, yeah, name was, another one. Well, there was the I remember the song is like uh, "Where's the Love?" It's I, not enough. Makes the world go round. There you go. See, see. Right. It, okay. I wasn't. I wouldn't have been able to do that. It's. It's that, and that's it. It's just those two. But right. uh, yeah, this is Isaac Hansen, Taylor Hansen, and Zachary Hansen, uh, three young brothers who have this long '90s hair, wearing flannel, and looking like '90s as all hell. But all play the guitar, apparently. I mean, they look like <laughs> a musician family, like probably groomed to be famous. Yeah. Um, but they were yeah. on a really good episode of Space Ghost called Girl Hair, where <laughs> Space Ghost, uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, where he starts interviewing them and then kidnaps the TV they're in and then takes them camping and talks about how much he wants to brush their gorgeous girl hair. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the use of Mbop on Futurama. It was in the um, the. The what what if what if machine episode where Bender was a giant robot and it was just a fun uh, fry hanging out with a giant Bender scene set to Mbop and it was, it was a good it was a good little scene still but, together I believe yeah they had an album in 2013 and this also gets a little confusing because I think the actual middle of nowhere album that Mbop maybe got more popular from is out in 97 hmm. but the song has its origins here in 96 so that may be we may be slightly uh trigger happy on this but nonetheless never too early to I, talk about hansen yeah. i was just googling it and like number one like hansen.net so it occurs to me <laughs> who the fuck has hansen.com <laughs> redirects to heidelberg cement the heidelberg cement group <laughs> com. wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think the one that everyone would know most is probably a year from now, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll talk about it again later. Oh. Uh, God willing, if we're doing this a year from now, more cement. But uh, that's just it for for uh, like Bad Hair Day up here, Celine Dion up here, and then like the beginnings of Hanson are taking mm-hmm. form uh, in 1996. And if I may be so bold, Ooh. if I may finally say this, mm. this is One Sweet Day's final week. At <gasps> oh, thank God! Wow. Since the, the show, of tyranny is over. Since the show began. Episode 11? Is that what right. we're on? Uh, 11 Brandy. weeks at number four. Holy shit. Our national nightmare is over. Well, I think number one, the first episode of the show was Say You, Say Me. That was the 80s, though, It was 86. Huh? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, huh. This might have been number years one learn together. the show. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, but what will take it over? We'll have to come back next week. Oh, News in March 13th, 1996, the Dunblane Massacre, school shooting huh? in yep. Scotland. This is, uh, you know, I wouldn't bring this up. I don't want to get political, but this was pretty uh, a huge news story uh, yeah, across yeah. Europe in that uh, a guy went to a primary school and he shot 16 people, most of them f- five and six year old children. Christ. And pretty much right after that based on just the horror that he only had handguns he had mm-hmm. like four of them but uh based on that britain basically banned handguns N- wait you can't do that 
Yeah, you no, can. You can't enact any gun laws after a random no, shooting. It's That's, too soon. No. Too soon. Yeah. You have to give some thought to this. Get some I distance. Uh-huh. I got to say. In that time, other people will be shot. Again, in America, 16 children. Shrug. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? D- yeah. Not it happens me- every week. Like, you can't keep <sighs> up. Like, yeah. You, you can't keep up with the number of gun deaths. You, you read it. You hear about, like, massacres like this. Or massacres like the one in you, in Australia, and they had a media response to it. And yep. guess they're oh, there weren't massacres over. anymore, huh? Hmm. And now you have a mass shooting one per day, um, more than there have been days of 2016, uh, 2016 yep. or twenty fifteen. Oh, well, I, I, I shouldn't you go can't here. change it. What are you going to do? I it's guess it's in the constitution happens. with it's a lot of other shit that's been changed. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess you, like, can, you can yeah. still. It's not that all guns are banned. They're, you can still get rifles and shotguns and, you know, for hunting and whatever. Same with Canada. It's, elegant, it's beautiful about... guns with the express, uh, made with the express purpose of killing other people aren't mm. really available in anywhere else in the universe. Mm. Well, in, in the world. Um, you the universe. I know. Um, video games, nothing happened. Really? This is ah. still one of those weeks where uh, nothing nothing big happened because it's, it's not quite everybody got money for Christmas January. Mm-hmm. It's not some school's <laughs> out summer. It's not Christmas. It's just Almost this my birthday. March. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing like PS1 is still early. Saturn is still like not got well, it never gets completely off the ground in the yeah. US, but there's just not much going on, especially Super NES. Later, like we mentioned last episode, Mario RPG is out in Japan mm-hmm. and it won't come out here until May, so not a lot going on Ooh. for games. TV though, whoa, uh, oh boy, I've been waiting for this one. Dana Carvey show premieres oh, on March 12th. Wow. Yep, so and I have never heard of this, but because just, just watching you guys get clips of it is bonkers. Because nobody, nobody wanted you to get clips of it. And if I can emphasize, I can't really emphasize how how important Dana Carvey is. It to was like, a huge deal when that, this happened. Well, that, that how big well, Dana Carvey was back then. Yeah. But pre-96, when, yeah. when Dana Carvey show hit in 96, he'd been off of Saturday Night Live for mm-hmm. a while, and it was sort of like, who cares? No, he'd been off for, like all, I think, less than a year at this point. Really? Yeah, like he, his last year was 94. Oh, my God. Yeah, he had done the very unsuccessful Memento-ish film. That, uh, uh, was it Blank but Slate? Here, Blank Slate, yeah. Yeah, that he, was... he'd taken a couple stabs at movies. He never did very well outside of Wayne's World. But still, Dana Carvey and... was going to be a huge deal and, coming and back. Yeah, he, I heard I, an interview. No, with... I mean, it sounds like he was, but I remember at the time, everyone was just sort of like, eh. I okay. was very excited. So for he it. he left the show, and I think had a very very his movie career was terrible. And I know this because yeah. I loved Dana Carvey. I had an SNL collection, and I had posters for Clean Slate and Trapped in Paradise in my room because I loved Dana Carvey that much. Uh, but nobody, Nate, you name your uh, SNL greats. Uh, go John Lovitz, Phil Hartman, Bill Murray, Mike Will Myers. Ferrell, Adam Sandler. Not a single one of them has left SNL for their own sketch show. Yeah, and yeah. and that's and that's the this is like the only and Martin Short. Sort of got it late, way later on. Yeah. Way later on. Let's, we don't even have to talk about this. But the, Dana Carvey got it, and I think under the auspices of like, I'm going to have complete creative control, all the fun I want, and do whatever I'd like. And there, and ABC says, okay. Maybe more memorable to people who have never seen the show, what the show is called when it premiered. From the ABC Broadcast Center in New York, it's the Taco Bell Dana Carvey Show. God. So they had completely weird ass spot. Every show was sponsored by a different company. Gillette. And the, wow. the episode titles are like the Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey Show, which is wow. a throwback to like the late forties, yeah. early fifties. Yeah, but I think it, it was all there was money. Money exchanged hands. Oh, I'm sure. And so somewhere in this episode is an entire dance 
with people dressed as tacos and sodas and Taco <laughs> and Bell, Bell and the and Bell the, itself. She so, plays with like it's a ball. I'm so it's hungry balls. now. God. But it, like the <laughs> the amount of people behind the show, like the, oh my the god, people, like oh my it's, god. it's it's it was a breeding ground for like everything that's popular now. Yeah. The so on yeah. working on the show, mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, well, Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Robert Smigel, Dino Stamatopoulos, Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman, and and that's just the big names we know. There's a bunch of other people who were writers on it that went on to do other things too. And uh, every everybody seems to have positive memories of it. But like the the biggest anecdote is what happens in the first episode because this is what Dana wants to so, do. He's doing yeah. a sketch about he's where he's playing Bill Clinton, whom he did not play on SNL. Uh, he's doing his first Bill Clinton imp- impression publicly about how charismatic, how easily he's going to win the election. A nurturing president. And without Hillary, I can be both father and mother to our nation. And this isn't just talk. I've taken this a step further. With the employment of estrogen hormonal therapy, <laughs> I have developed the ability to breastfeed. <laughs> Let's just take a look here. Let me open up my shirt so you can see what I'm talking about. There it is. There, every little baby. There you go. And he's feeding a baby just, at its breast. Just, just drink up there, little baby. I'd like to see Steve Forbes do this. <laughs> so the, the first... R- remind not, me, ooh. what is the lead-in? That what? is it. That no, is. I mean, what is the lead-in? Oh, What's Home the Improvement. Show? Right. It is home improvement. Fucking home so like, improvement. Uh, after a super safe, open. The, the audience, I wanted to get the audience's reaction because I think <laughs> that's pretty evocative of like what the suits were feeling like. What the what, what the what, fuck? Because it, it's not just he's not just suit. breastfeeding. They have manufactured on the president of the United States <laughs> a suit of multiple nipples. He where later he then, feeds dogs in the episode it's, too. <laughs> it is so bizarre and out there. And as a result, like there are ten episodes, one season of four episodes. Of one season of six episodes because he, he probably got a great upfront deal and ABC yeah. hated this show. Well, okay, so play the Colbert clip. Cole, uh, Stephen Colbert yeah. is, explains what it went over like. The first show goes on the air and Dana Carvey is playing Bill Clinton. And we're right after Home Improvement, I mean, which is a great show, <laughs> great but leader. super, like, very family friendly. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was the number one show. It was better ratings Huge. than Seinfeld. It was like 25 million people, numbers you never see anymore. Right. And Dana is dressed up as Bill Clinton, and he's got working teats, like dog teats on his chest, and he's breastfeeding puppies and kittens. Yeah. And something like 10 million people shut off the TV immediately, and they never came back. And, and he walked in, and he goes, hey, guys, I'm sorry I've ruined your career. Wow. You both should, have been, you both should have been on SNL, and I've ruined that for you, and um, I'd like to apologize, and I'll do my best to get two jobs after this. Wow. <laughs> That's Jeez. how, like, that was the next day after we're like, oh, we, we fucked up. Like, wow. we've, we're ruined yeah. here. They all thought they were ruined, even though, obviously, they all went on to more then success. Then that's because here's, I have another clip of another, a person who was nowhere near famous and took I, what seemed like forever to become, uh, to come back into the public eye. Uh, Steve Carell, a cast member on the show, uh, Ted, Ted Koppel impression. Go to Pat Buchanan headquarters. Let's listen in. I want to say to the Japanese, hey, Mr. Yakitori, hey, Mrs. Teriyaki, hey, make your own boom boxes and sushi, we don't need you. And I want to say to the Mexicans, hey, Pablo, Don de es a 40-foot wall of reinforced steel. Pablo, <laughs> uh, barbed wire, Pablo. 
So like, so this is what this we is, call satire. This is now the current yes, exa- actual like politics. This, I, it doesn't have the bite hearing this right now, but in '96, after yeah. Home Improvement, this is funnier and more irreverent than SNL oh, yeah, with a bigger I, yeah. budget. I think another character on that same episode. They ate the heart of a Mexican. Like they actually, like I will show you yeah. how tough I am. I will literally yeah. eat the heart of a Mexican right here. Because he's like, making fun of all the candidates running for president. And, yeah. It, oh. Wow. And then like who is it, he? Who is he making fun? Pat, of he's Pat Buchanan. Oh. Okay. He's Pat Buchanan. That's Steve Carell. And, and still alive. And if you ever so, wondered yeah, where like uh, the uh, ambiguously gay duo came from and why they're voiced by Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell, it started on the Dana Carvey show. Wow. And it was done by Robert Smigel. Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, who was also on the Dana Carvey show, and this is a clip of him. I love it. It was the question of, like, Dana Carvey's known for playing all these famous characters. How do we get them on the show? I'm Stu Harberger, executive vice president in charge of entertainment for ABC. We're all very excited about welcoming Dana Carvey to the ABC family. There's been a lot of controversy over whether Dana can play his many wonderful characters from Saturday Night Live. Well, the fact is... These characters are the intellectual property of NBC. But the good news is ABC's with Disney now, and our high-powered Disney lawyers have managed to secure the right to not only the church lady in Hans and Franz, but also the top ten list, Stupid Petrix, <laughs> and Larry Bud Melman. Yeah. Yeah. Screw you, NBC! <laughs> Like this is, Dude. I just love anytime Colbert and Carell can do anything together. Yeah. Their energy together is so and good. These these things have been like scrubbed from the internet, and I got this off of a like a torrent of Mr. a DVD. Black. It's it's they're gone. They're completely gone. And like the, there's a great clip of Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell as waiters disgusted by food oh, yeah. who just throw up as they describe what they're. Which <laughs> I guess they were both hired off of Second City. Yeah, this I think was so. a bit that they brought with them. Yeah, and it the show is real. I don't know. It's it's a really awesome footnote, and like it's, it's Chappelle show like 10 years later I mean that's clearly awesome but it's on at 10 o'clock yeah. on Comedy Central on cable that they tried to push this in people's face and, and America failed. wasn't ready for it, it yeah I thought and it was really hard to find I remember I was I was a huge Dana Carvey fan and like it, it was all over the place but four also, episodes aired well, over like eight months yeah because they never show it was similar to the critic had the same problem mm-hmm. when they the ABC was ABC thought they wanted edgier content mm-hmm. uh, but then when they got the edgier content people were like hey you're ABC I, I didn't mean this family. Edgy. Like, yeah. no that's perfect the critic had the same problem mm-hmm. that it was right after Home Improvement which is supposed to be this great lead in yeah, we're like- but when everything after it wasn't the most harmless Goofery. You, needed, you needed that ten-year buffer to get this stuff like Chappelle Show and Key and Peele, yeah. and this is like, dude, Full House just ended its run yeah. on this channel. Uh, but Colbert in that that uh, the Colbert interview there was from him on Howard Stern. He also credited the show for it moved him to New York. He yeah. didn't live in New York until the show moved him there. He's in and, South Carolina. Or? Uh, well, he was working on Chicago. Oh, that's from right. South that's Carolina. right. And but you, you so know, he, ABC wanted a shot in LA, and Dana demanded to be New York. So he moved to New York, and because he lived in New York. That's when he was able to True. work for Comedy Central and film mm-hmm. Stranger with Candy. And Exit 57. Exit 57 and start working for The Daily Show. Yeah. All that happened because 
the opportunities of the Dana Carvey show. Yeah, and Louis C.K. talks super fondly about... Oh, like, my God, this, yes, like yes. Nobody has a bad thing to say about Dana Carvey. Look up at uh, Louis C.K.'s WTF. He, he talks still, about 20 yeah. minutes. Like, Dana Carvey Charlie is, Kaufman talks about it, too, on his yeah. recent WTF. Oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, and he's awesome. sort of... He just said, I mean, that he would write stuff, but that he felt so intimidated by yeah. everybody in the room, because everybody in the room is just so freaking funny. Yeah. And, and just that Dana and Carvey the was... The of him writing sketches is so weird, though. The guy writes, you know, Eternal Sunshine or... Get a Life's an awesome show. Like He's yeah. perfect for this kind of humor. But that, that Dana Carvey was so prolific, he failed as a movie. And then it got really sick and yeah. disappeared for a while. But when Dana Carvey is like, it's he still comes on talk shows just to be himself. Because mm-hmm. like if you were around during his reign, I meant, damn, Dana Carvey is the shit. And just see yeah. him put on that girth mm-hmm. wig every now and then. You're yeah. like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird that, that that's his character that stood the test of time a little longer <laughs> than like Church Lady. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. love his bush. I fucking love his Perot. I mean it's the perfect bush and then, and then he, his yeah. Perot Jesus. I mean 92 hit the election that, thing in 92 was the that was ever. that was just on like WTF2 David Spade on there my first role like oh I get to be Perot he's like no you're going to be the long shot stand in because Dana Carvey will be on Saturday night's keyword live playing both Perot and Bush. So in a long shot, you'll stand there in a white wig. And we'll cut to video of Dana he doing Perot so again. He was so great at both of them. And he turned them mm. into such jokes, too. And the, it was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy thinking about that scene where they're talking about what the Disney lawyers got. Yeah. Because in that scene, they mention that you, we also got the top ten list, yeah. which is a late show scene. Yeah. Which went to CBS from NBC. And yep. Steve Colbert yeah. would later... Be, take Become. over Letterman oh, oh, to God. be to the host of that show. Uh, circle of white people with glasses. <laughs> and, Disney, and Disney lawyers own everything. And now, eventually, Disney will own all and three that was, networks. That was Robert Smigel speaking the voice of Triumph Insult Comic Book. Yeah, we just watched course. him in Happy Gilmore on uh, our Monday Night Movies, patreon.com slash laser time. And our second large topic of this movie section, uh, well, going into movies out of TV, uh, Ed came out this week. <laughs> Mm. Is it the monkey movie or the McConaughey movie? That was Ed TV. Got it. This monkey is, movie. Uh, not I, that. Yeah, this was one of the first Friends movies. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the Friends actors uh, getting a star in something. Uh, also, Executive Decision. Oh, that one's fun. Yeah, that, that was, was a good movie. That was hysterical, dude. John- it's it's yeah. pretty goofy to watch. I watched it not long after 9-11, I think was the last time I watched it. And it, it, it just cracked Odd me morning. up. Because, well, no, it was like in 2002 or 2003, but it it just cracked me up because it's about, you know, oh, no, this plane has been hijacked, and then there's a point where they're like, you know, well, that's it. They're going to use this plane as a weapon. We're going to shoot it down. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yes, do do that. (laughs) And they're like, hey, buddy, we're going to shoot you down unless you do this thing. And he's like, no. Well, shit! That's what we got to do. Because Kurt Russell and a team of people like Jogging Leguizamo board the plane. Kurt Russell is not part of the team. He's the average guy. Oh, he's on the plane. Steven Seagal is the leader of this team and includes John Leguizamo. That's right, because he escapes into the baggage area, and that's how he has that exchange. Because this, I remember reading about a potential lawsuit in this film because Steven Seagal was I can't even believe that I can say this was huge he was still yeah. the star of movies we don't that were fat like <laughs> he is now but he was huge no, not fat. He's, he's, the, he's a big box office draw and he Under has Siege was a huge hit he's yes. completely in the executive decision trailer and killed yeah. in the very beginning it's like arguably the well, biggest star in the film 10 minutes not, in yeah it's so. not beginning beginning it's a little bit 
Yeah. It's, he but has it very little screen time. It's not time. a Steven Seagal film. And, they, and they show Seagal. his death in the trailer. So, But people get in there and they're like, I thought this is a Seagal movie, man. Like He's never even yeah. in this, and he's not. Nope, Kurt Russell movie. Kurt I Russell love movie. tricks like that. And also, Kurt Russell is 18 times the movie star that Steven yeah. Seagal mm-hmm. is. Steven Seagal's, Steven Seagal's big trick in, a, in fight scenes is to let everybody else do the work. I, like, but it's a wrist lock, and then the stump person just dives over him. If you watch those early 80s Seagal movies, man, you're like, Oh, oh, that's why that guy uh, is beloved and famous for being a martial artist. He yeah. is. I think somebody, it was Jackie Chan, I think, in an interview. He's like, what American action star could actually beat you up? He's just like, Steven Seagal. Yeah. He's, he's, he's studied this and this and this. Though I heard this funny story about Steven Seagal that by Judo Jean LaBelle, another martial arts legend in America, who it was, um, Steven Seagal put a wrist lock on him. He says, nobody can get out of this uh, like you try. And then uh, Jean LaBelle slapped him in the face. And then <laughs> Steven Seagal let go. He was like, what was that about? He's like, you like uh, I broke that hole, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that dong sound mm-hmm. uh, uh, doesn't go well for the battery. No, that was me uh, just doing a search for F one seventeen because the the, <laughs> the it, plane. The, the wiki says experimental stealth aircraft, yeah. and it looks like yeah, we just put like an extra fin on a on a yeah. on that one's But I, yeah, they I fly just, underneath the seven forty seven yeah. and infiltrate right. the plane so to uh, attack the terrorists from within. Um, yeah, also, but then my point my point sorry. before was when they're like, we're gonna shoot it down, and he's like. No, and they're just all like, "Well, what now? What are we gonna do? We're out of options." Like, well, you still had shoot him down as an option. <laughs> Did we you think of that? that one? Well, no, yeah. No, also, I love that the bad guy is the guy who played Poirot. Mm-hmm. So oh, I just wow. I just keep imagining a mustache on him. That's right. Yeah. So HBO showed me this movie quite a bit, and, and Halle, I never liked it. Halle Berry. There's a, it, the cast is oh, is pretty oh, that's big. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's she, a stewardess. In it. She's mm-hmm. in it. Uh, Oliver Platt. Yes, I, remember, I remember Oliver Platt as me with the uh, stopping yeah, a bomb thing. A good cast in an all right action film. It's fine. Uh, also out this week, briefly, uh, too much. That's TWO much with uh, Banderas, Antonio oh, Banderas, and Melanie Griffith. Not the Japanese robot ah. movie. Not that and they're much. still TWO much. Yeah, T-W-O. they're oh. they're still together to this day, I believe. Right? Oh, really? Don't Griffith know. and Banderas. I, I'm gonna look this up yeah. real quick. But yeah, this was where they. It's the only reason anybody remembers this mm-hmm. totally forgettable yeah. romantic comedy of just because him. That, that's what got brought them together. Yeah, it's what brought them together. It's it's like and in hindsight, I mean, we could do a list like that for the site too of like films that uh, made people a couple in hindsight an awesomely unlikely couple I think the weird yeah. thing uh, sorry I was looking at Executive Decision directed by Stuart Baird mm-hmm. who directed a, uh, apparently only three movies yeah Executive yeah. Decision U.S. Marshals oh. and then Star wow. Trek Nemesis wow what? Is, did he die what happened I don't know man Stuart Baird. I feel like um, I feel like this dude's come up. I think before. He's, a, he's a film. Uh, he's a, he's a writer primarily. Uh, credits. Yeah, those are only the movies he directed. But yeah, producer, no, he's an editor. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, he done done more stuff. Yeah, but. He, he edited Forty Seven Ronin and Skyfall, Green Lantern, Salt. Ooh, wow. Scene wow. Royale. Radio Flyer. So he's a pretty good editor then. <laughs> Re-edited uh, Superman 2, apparently. The Richard oh, Donner cut wow. that came out on DVD in the 06s. Oh, I'm, for, I'm sorry to have the bad news, but in June 2014, Griffin and Banderas released a statement announcing their intention to divorce in a loving and friendly manner. I can't and believe. just divorced I, uh, since then. I've been in the dark for two years on this. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. I've gotten by. Um, but the big one this week, we we brought it up last week, was uh, the Birdcage yeah. released. And uh, because last episode we discussed so much about Fargo, mm-hmm. uh, this week we were going to discuss, because Birdcage is still number one at yeah. the box office. A budget of $31 million would eventually gross one hundred and eighty-five. dollars mm-hmm. Oh, love uh, this movie. Which, at the same time that people were so scared of, like, 
there's a show after Home Improvement that talks about anything other than tools and family, mm-hmm. and then the number one movie right now is like normalizing gay behavior. Gay yeah. town, yeah. baby. Mm. Yeah, it's it's still incredibly farcical, and like we we did a Robin Williams tribute show, a show I'm very proud of. Diana mm-hmm. was on, and uh, yeah. Henry, were you, were you on that? I, I was remember. not invited. Uh, oh yeah, you were still had a real day job. Um, but it we're celebrating the movie in that respect because it's a really funny movie that Robin Williams doesn't get to be very funny in. It's a, it's a remake mm. of a very popular French yes, series, sorry. La Cage mm-hmm. à Foie. La Cage à Foie, and the story of a. Gay couple who has a son, and the son finds uh, he finds a woman he wants to propose to and get married to, and her father is a hardcore right wing Republican senator, and they have to hide the fact that his family is gay from his Republican se- because the- it's a meet the parents thing because they're gonna Calista Flockhart's gonna marry that son. It is. And, and, and in so hindsight, they- watching the movie now, it's like the kids are the huge dicks. Oh, they're yeah. such they're, dicks. They're making the, the, the we demands feel of all so the parents. Much shame about you. I'm and, sorry. You just shame us so much. Yeah, and, and when they when yeah. the the reveal happens, like Hackman and Diane Weist are not are not incredibly not offended by it. By yeah. It, no. yeah, I think they're way more mad about getting lied to. Yeah, yeah the kids are the the kids, kids are, are really assholes in this, but. Uh, and poor, yeah, I mean, and this this made Nathan Lane a megastar. It did. Like, yeah. He gets to be the funny he's one the, he's the, in the movie. In all the clips I have, it's just him, him trying to be sh- trying to be the gayest man alive. Trying to be straight oh, is yeah. so fucking funny. Yeah, his his body language is terrible for radio, but yeah. yeah, his body language of wearing a suit and trying to sit down in a masculine yeah. way and just not being comfortable, and then just sort of crosses his legs and. Of course, mm-hmm. he's got on like bright orange and socks. With the clip we played, uh, the clip we played on the Robin Williams show is the the standout comedic moment of him. Robin Williams just like trying to describe how to dance. He's like mm-hmm. fussy, 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 and then like you were like, "This is all accurate." It is the, all accurate. It, it is his, all accurate. His, all his dance is little Twyla, Twyla, Madonna, Madonna, yep. Madonna, Michael Kidd, Michael, Michael Kidd. Kidd. Like yeah, I don't understand all, half the references. Those are all famous choreographers, except Madonna. So what is a clip that we have? The clip, the clip is uh, that, like it's been revealed. First, uh, Robin Williams has to tell Nathan Lane that he has to leave the house because he is too gay to be seen by the right wing <laughs> conservative senators. He's very offended, cries a little bit, and they try and like, uh, no, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can uh, introduce the the senator to uh, the, the senator to us. Uh, let's let's figure out a plan. This is not because of you. It's because the girl's parents are assholes. The hell's crazy about you? Is he? Yeah. Oh, that helps. There you go. Oh. You're so sweet. <laughs> Maybe it is too much to introduce me as his mother on the first visit. Could you tell them I was a, a relative who dropped in? Val's uncle, Uncle Al. Oh, what's the point to be Val's gay Uncle Al? Oh, I could play it straight. Oh, please, look at you. Look at the way you're holding your glass. Look at your pinky. Look at your posture. What? What about you? You're obviously not a cultural whatever it is. You've never been to a museum and you eat like a pig. Albert, these people are right-wing conservatives. They don't care if you're a pig. They just care if you're a fag. Oh, fuck them. Of course you can pass as an uncle. You're a great performer. I'm a great director. Together we can do almost anything. Oh, Amon, really? Absolutely. All right, first, get your pinky down. It's up again. All right, and your posture. Oh, my God! Are you crazy? What are you doing? Stop screaming! Act like a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so. Long. I, I do love it, and, and one of the Nathan things I, Lane's incredible in that role. Like he's so good. Yeah, and I, I love in hindsight because this is '96, and this is not. 
I think this situation would be completely unacceptable <laughs> in 2016. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of levels like on why this wouldn't be cool now. That, well, one of them is that no, no, I, but just to like make this concession for someone who doesn't like no, there's that, that too. Can't like, happen. The, the, no, there's pl- people who make that concession. You think so? All no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm wrong. Well, yeah. well, I'd say another uh, as the gay voice on the show. Mm-hmm. I I would also say that. What they're doing to to poor Nathan Lane's character in this is that it's this problem in that some people have in the gay community too mm-hmm. of that you can be gay just don't be femme don't be like that there's gay. there's a there's a lot of distrust of femi like there's some straight acting gays who who don't like the effeminate ones because they they are like oh I'm gay but I'm not gay mm-hmm. like that and the the lip wristed type and so the the plot here is that they're teaching a femi gay yeah. guy to. Now, if that's what you are, if that is your spirit, don't don't hide it under a bushel. Like, yeah. just be be who you are instead of teaching him to be to act straight. I, which, like, what is straight? What is gay? Like, it's it, it's it's, it's just it's just making femininity negative, which is also a hateful thing towards women too. On yeah. a certain level, and, and part uh, part of the thing the thing I did like was Williams could have played this broad as fuck, and yeah. like his his gay character is not. You saw actually less of that kind of gay character. I am quietly flamboyant. I look just like anybody else. And, uh, and he, he doesn't play it over the top, ever. Which, mm. why else yeah. do you hire Robin Williams? Like, I did, who knew? Who knew yeah. at that point? And then, but he knew to get out of the way of Nathan Lane. Yeah. Oh, I have one more clip of him trying to figure out how to bro handshake and high five. It makes me so happy. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? Wrong response? I'm not sure. (laughs) Take it from the top. This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. (laughs) Fucking A. Fucking A, right. (laughs) 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 The film, I don't know, the film is still really, really fucking it, funny. It's really funny. I, I, it's we very have to, specifically its time, I do want to do a little background on it besides being based on La Caja Faux, which like is a, a very... much older French film? Yeah, 70s. Um, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I actually like it. Um, the fact that it's... Dire- this movie's directed by Mike Nichols, yeah. who's a great director, Amazing but no, director. doesn't do this broad a comedy, mm-hmm. I think, ever. And that it's adapted by Elaine May who used to be his uh, comedy partner back in the 50s. Really? Wow. Yeah. Nichols and May. Wow. Nichols and May. Wow. That's right. Back together. Well, and oh my God. I think there's a documentary is, out about him soon or I airing an HBO. So. Yeah. But also, man, everybody's so good in this. Well, Hank, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria kills it. Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman. is hilarious. Yeah. I, I keep... I, and Diane Weiss. Diane I hate Weiss to keep pointing this wonderful. out, but if there's an actor we grew up with and haven't seen in 10 years, it is probably so senile and bad. Uh, him and Sean Connery have been out of the public light for so long. I, I do not want to think how bad their condition is. Well, uh, the, one of my favorite jokes I remember from it was um, it was when they're serving them dinner and mm-hmm. they realize their bowls are these Greek bowls <laughs> with guys fucking each other <laughs> in it. And she's like, oh, what is this? It looks like they're trying to jump over each other. And then he just like, dumps the soup in it and says, like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> just move on. Like, I saw this at way too young an age to see mm-hmm. it. Like, I saw it in theaters, I remember. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess I didn't realize what I was seeing at the time was so important to me. And also that this was something I look back on after he passed away. But like 
some of the first films I mm-hmm. saw that had gay characters in them mm-hmm. were Robin Williams movies. Yeah, not, not just this, but also Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire, which Uncle was Frank a children's, which was a children's film that normalized having gay mm-hmm. uncles. Like it yeah. was, which was a big deal in mm-hmm. the '90s. That was a huge yeah. deal. Yeah, no, the 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 gayness and so all the different gay things about them is so broad and and so you know mm. kind of ridiculous. That, yeah. but that's the sort of the point. Is this mm. this is a, a completely ridiculous situation in but every would, way? They I, live above a drag club. I would bet if in 1996 you were to meet an actual Miami drag club owner, they might be like that. Yeah. they they are I, they are dramatic people. Perhaps I don't know about you. I lived in Florida at the time. I didn't recognize it as it. That is very accurate to what South Beach is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I lived in, see, there's Miami and then there's the rest of Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, My not grandparents like lived Miami down there, really. so I, I went there a lot. Oh, see, I never went to Miami. Yeah, I went there a ton. How about those dolphins? Uh, <laughs> I did not give a shit. Went there once. It was fine. Uh, but taking us out of the 90s, uh, we'll come back with more. Two- I want to leave. What happened in 2000? You got to go to the 2006. That'll be the 90s man. forever. The real, the real dumping ground of 06. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, the other Hanson song that we mentioned before, uh, Where's the Love? You jerk. Why not? <sighs> it's, a, it's a great song, I promise. We'll be back with more. ships at sea this is diana's classic corner we look even further back in time and see if there's any movies worth watching this week uh unfortunately this week not much nothing coming out in 1941 uh 75 years ago but 50 years ago i got a strong recommend jean-luc godard's a band apart or band of outsiders what can i say about this movie um how about quentin tarantino's production company is called a band apart guess why so there you go. And also the dance scene from Pulp Fiction is kind of inspired by a dance scene from this. And it's about a, a kind of a crime gone wrong. So they'll probably tell you just about all you need to know about early Quentin Tarantino just from watching it. Uh, a Band of Par, Band of Outsiders, Jean-Luc Godard came out March 15th, 1966, 50 years ago this week. Strong recommend. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. <laughs> right now is a clear message to the people of this country. This message must be read in every newspaper, seen on every television. I want everyone to remember why they need us. People should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their people. I'm ready. From the creators of the Matrix trilogy comes an uncompromising vision of the future. For Vendetta, let it R.
That is a terrible intro theme for Diana. An ode to me. That's that's what I play when I'm heading to the boxing ring. <laughs> that is E40. Oh, because uh, I asked Grim because uh, E40 had a new album. I had an album out this week, uh, ten years ago in 2006, along with acts like Shadaisy, uh, Willie Nelson, No Effects, Katie Lang, Joe Satriani, and Gary Newman. Also, all had Whoa. albums out this week. It's crazy. Um, but I asked Grim for what is a, a, the E40 song if you're going to come in, and he suggested White Girl. So <laughs> that's what we're playing. Um, also, though, number one song this week. Ah, uh, uh, yes. James Blunt. My life is brilliant. Uh, My love is pure. Sleep on now. Wow. I've got Everybody's face first dance at the wedding. wedding. I can think of as a Golden Corral buffet when I hear this. Though. It, it's, yeah. I just picture like someone crying into a margarita, at chili, at chilies or something. Although I have seen that like he's kind of a punching bag. This is his only hit. James Blunt, yeah. uh, you're beautiful. Number one song I this week. Do hate it, but he's he's also a merciless asshole to people who are assholes to him on Twitter, and it's oh, really funny still? to watch. Yeah, I feel like wasn't he was like a soldier? What? Yeah, that he's like a secret badass. I mean, he looks pretty fit in the video. It's just him sitting on a beach that's snowing yeah, or something. Yeah, I feel like he was, he was in the military and... He also ripped off Coldplay. Might have some beach. Rod Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> just by existing, he's ripping off Rod Stewart. That's the number one yeah. song this week. But yeah, E40, really quick. The album that came out this week was uh, My Ghetto Report Card, which is <laughs> the ninth studio album by American rapper E40. Uh, but yeah, like one of his albums, I think is called the Yay Ye- Ye- Ye Area, or a song I think is Yay Area. But uh, that's the good old Yay Area. That's yeah, what that, I heard about when I first moved here. Yeah, ten, that's the first track on geez, my Ghetto Jeepers ten years ago. Yeah, that's a, oh. uh, the the first track on my Ghetto Report card. But uh, yeah, check it out. I mean, Grim's a fan. He uh, was buying some of his beer recently. His uh, oh E forties beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steel Reserve or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, it's it's its own. It's his own thing. Um, but. TV this week, Matt Dillon hosts SNL, SNL let's say, uh, March 11th, uh, a sushi clip. Uh, you, don't, you don't even play that. All right, fine. Uh, but look, Matt Dillon hosts SNL. <laughs> I don't know why. What was he starring in? Like, he's not in any of the movies this week. Well, Crash we just cra- won I, Best Picture I last week. I guess it was Crash, Yeah. jeez, like, Matt Dillon's nobody. Like, One Night at McCool's? Is that? No, I don't. His brother's more famous than him now. That is true. Uh, New Adventures of Old Christine premieres on March 13th uh, at Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Carell making another appearance. Well, yeah, mm. the funny thing with Julia Louis-Dreyfus' career is that everybody thinks like she's a fail. She's a post-Seinfeld failure like uh, Every Kramer other one. and Jason Alexander, but not <laughs> Patrick Warburton. Uh, Patrick Warburton is very successful too, but she's she had this show for like 100 episodes and then went on to do Veep. And she's, I think she's really underrated as a comedic actress. She's amazing. And this show also had Wanda Sykes on it as well. And then also Avatar Last Airbender Season 2 premieres on March 17th. That's Uh, for all our young people out there. The younger younger generation. It's a good show. Again, I only saw it because my nephew was watching it when he was really young. What show? 
Avatar? Avatar. Oh, no, it's great. Last I love that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and this was is the start of five? book two. Yeah, so book two. two. Yeah. Which would then go on into Korra, mm-hmm. yep. um, which is also good. Um, games this week. Uh, last week, we talked about how Graw came out, Ghost Recon Advanced mm-hmm. Warfighter. Kind of set the tone for a lot of the military shooters, the modern shooters. Mm-hmm. This week, we have The Outfit. Uh, which is that what? 360 game I haven't thought about wow. until right now. Yeah, and like Fuels of War, like all this tchotchke oh, I threw away Sega. like three years that ago. Was yeah. yeah. And it had like one of the appointments, I think at E3 or something we went to, there was like, get your Xbox 360 faceplate. Remember those? Oh, <laughs> Only 2,000 kids will get this. Uh, Driver Parallel Lines, Mega Man Powered Up. And Metal Gear Solid Three Subsistence, mm. a lot of remakes, uh, which what added uh, new stuff? I don't remember. Yeah, it added um, it added some more VR missions and some more mm. some more dress up choices for your character in the eating department. And Mega Man Powered Up that was uh, that was a big deal. Powered Up is fun. Uh, it was Oil really Man, released. Time Man yeah, added, additions. Added Oil Man and Time Man to give the original Mega Man eight bosses because all the others had eight and the original only had six. So. It's a cutified version where they're all like, you know, really deformed, like big heads, tiny bodies. Um, but just reimagines the level design. Uh, PSP was still lively. PSP was no, PSP was was going strong in 06. And uh, there's, I don't know, I, I didn't play Powered Up until like a year later, but I did finish it, and it was fun because then there were like dialogue between the bosses yeah. when you go in their rooms, and you could play as the bosses. It had a level editor that was really good, uh, and this was re-released, I think, in 2012 or 2013 in a two UMD pack with mm. Maverick Hunter X mm. and you could get them both for like 20 or $30 and that like I ended up buying that because I never got these I think I borrowed them no, from I someone no I didn't either and a lot of these I, I didn't know until I worked at Capcom that like the PSP spines oh, all yeah. line up to create a specific image and since I had so few of them and discovered them way too late yeah they used, make like a thing because there's like the Monster Hunter games yeah, these uh, ultimate ghosts and goblins yeah a lot of stuff there Movies this week, uh, Failure to Launch is number one. Yay! Yes. We can talk about it again. So Matthew yeah. McConaughey is not Meteoric sh- Rise. Not Shaggy oh, Dog. Wow. Shaggy Dog did not raise the woof. <laughs> um, also out this week, She's the Man. With- you know, I oh. contemplated seeing this film just because I was so sad that Arrested Development was gone. And here was... She's the Man? F- She's the Man has David Cross in it. And it, it was uh, He's... And playing a very Tobias-esque character as the uh, owner. Like, it's about a man Tobias pretending to be a dude to go to some fancy school. It's kidding me. It is an adaptation of Twelfth Night. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Yeah, that is, wow. Yeah, so Channing Tatum, what? a.k.a. Tater Tot, what? is yep. also in this yep. movie. He's the hot dude in it that she's in love with as a boy, uh, pretending to be a boy. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, again, I almost saw it just to see David Cross. I didn't. But uh, <laughs> I contemplated So the story of this movie is that I didn't see it. <laughs> Uh, also out this week, uh, thank you for smoking. Yeah, yeah. which is a. Uh, I remember when this came out. I was I was in, I'd moved to California by this point, but still didn't really know anybody. And I just remember that whole week, like this being advertised a lot during Daily Show and Colbert, uh, and that's just and it had a killer song in the commercial. I think Change Your Mind. And it was just playing in the background. I'm like, ah, change your mind. Thank you for smoking. I get it. What you're doing. It was a really I good. Understand. Film. It, it's a very. It's an underrated satire. Actually, rewatching yeah. some clips from it just now reminded me, like, oh yeah, this was really like pointed and funny. But it also mm-hmm. the the type of character Aaron Eckhart plays in this is uh, a a guy I've come to hate a lot too. Of just a guy who knows he knows what's wrong, and he's smart enough to know what's fucked about the American system. But he also knows he'd prefer to make money off of it than point out what's wrong well, and fix that. Sometimes you have to do what you know. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm projecting here. Yeah, it's got Robert Duvall, J.K. Simmons, William H. Macy, Rob Lowe. The cast is insane. So many people. Is this like coming off of Juno? No, this is before Before Juno. Juno. This is Jason Reitman's first feature film. Is it? And then Juno's the next year. Oh, really? No, Juno's the next year. Juno's the next year. No, this film was, yeah, it was his first one. It was, I love Robert Duvall's character is this very oldie time dude uh, who racist old man who has only black servants serve him mint juleps and then when he <laughs> dies he those black servants are the ones who are his pallbearers to deliver him to the grave which mm. uh such a beautiful visual moment and same with um the roblo bit is one of my favorites too where he's a movie executive who's paying the tobacco industry to get or the tobacco industry is paying him to get cigarettes back in movies and he says, well, we can have him smoke in space. And he says, well, wait, wouldn't the fire, you know, in the high oxygen area? He's like, oh, well, that's the great thing about movies. We'll just make a line that says, isn't it great we invented this thing that let us smoke in space? Yeah. This, smoke, smoke, this smoke. in his other movie, Up in, Up in the Air. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that I, one's can't, good. I've seen I that. can't believe I haven't seen the. I have we not seen either of them. We finally found a movie, Brett. Wow. Saw. And it's one that you've Chris seen. Hasn't seen. I saw it on a plane. I believe uh, Up, Up in the Air is great, too. Yeah. It is. It was good. And also that Anna Kendrick, like, that was her star-making turn, too. She's so he, good at You also sent a clip of Thank You for Smoking. So this is my favorite bit. And his, his stuff with his son, his son is a major character in the film and allows him to kind of talk the audience through what his job is as well. And so this is, uh, this is him telling him how he works his job as a PR man for cancer company tobacco, for Big Tobacco. But you can't always be right. Well, if it's your job to be right, then you're never wrong. But what if you are wrong? Okay, let's say that you're defending chocolate and I'm defending vanilla. Now, if I were to say to you, vanilla is the best flavor ice cream, you'd say... No, chocolate is. Exactly. But you can't win that argument. So, I'll ask you. So you think chocolate is the end-all and be-all of ice cream, do you? It's the best ice cream? I wouldn't order any of it. Oh, so it's all chocolate for you, is it? Yes, chocolate is all I need. Well, I need more than chocolate. And for that matter, I need more than vanilla. I believe that we need freedom and choice when it comes to our ice cream. And that, Joy Naylor, that is the definition of liberty. But that's not what we're talking about. Ah, but that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) But you didn't prove that vanilla is the best. I didn't have to. I proved that you're wrong. And if you're wrong, I'm right. But you still didn't convince me. It's that I'm not after you. I'm after them. I, I love that and scene. And that kid is way too aware of what's happening in that scene because when I was his age, he's like, okay. And I guess you're right. Vanilla is the best. Flavor. Right, like, need, need we say this is from the the writer of Juno? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but again, this is, you know... Thir- no, not the director Not Juno. the director of Juno, not yeah. the writer. Uh, but yeah, and this was... A, not a, like the other film we'll talk about in here, mm-hmm. but... Uh, this is during the Bush administration. Like this is very much showing off Bush's America and mm-hmm. about how its image and art. It's about winning arguments, not being right or about finding an ethical high ground. And this mm-hmm. is it is the only negative I'd say about it is that they're just so on the nose. But it is a satire. Mm-hmm. But like, there's another great scene of um, uh, the whammy guy from Anchorman. Uh, David Keckner. David Keckner. He's guns. He's the guns yeah. representative. And then they also have they have lunch every once in a while with the alcohol representative. The evil and, lobbyists. 
Yeah. The evil lobby is all together, and David Keckner is eating a piece of cheese, like American cheese, on top of apple pie. It's, like, <laughs> it's the America special. It's, it's, a, it's really so gross, by the way. I don't know why. I would never that. eat that. But, but the big the, movie we're talking about this week is true. Is also <clears throat> also. This would you week. say thank you for smoking? Is it hold? Is it worth watching now? I, you know, yeah. I want to rewatch it. Yeah, I want to rewatch so. it. I, I, it looked interesting to me at the time. I, really I was just too to depressed it. from moving. I wasn't. From the, I lived in a small town, and this is not a big movie, so we didn't get it. I saw the trailers. I didn't see it until it got nominated for Oscar. What like is your small year. town? Tallahassee, Tallahassee Florida. Florida. Yeah, dude, we had, like, we, there's still two movie theaters there to this day. They screen independent films. If your town fil- has two movie theaters, it's not a small They screen town. independent films on the fucking wall of a coffee shop. That's where everybody had to see the... That's where my dad had to see the Oscar nominees. Let me take you to a town of 3,000 people. Just saying. After that's a small town. Why do you need to be right about my hometown? Because <laughs> Tallahassee's not a small town. Do you know how many movies you have access to right now? Absolutely. Just in this room. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> After eight What are you years? talking about? I'm and talking about 10 about... years ago. Well, I'm saying you've had chances since oh, then. I don't feel guilty about this at all. Well, I do, but... <laughs> Uh, after eight years of Obama, it'd be weird to rewatch it now. I, I, I don't think so. I think corporations are just as much oh, yeah, dicks that's, about that things as, as any other I wouldn't, time. But I, I don't think I could say the same for, the. I guess, the next film on the docket. Cause that's, yeah, so also at this week, uh, V for Vendetta, oh uh, oh based boy. on the comic book... Yes, a comic book. Uh-huh. Uh, I, the I Vertigo can, comic. I mean, I could tell you a million things about the comic and the making of this film. Sure. But, uh, the, well, first off, that so it was written in '86 yeah. uh, for England. Yeah, for England, it, specifically. it was uh, created by Alan Moore. So thirty years and it ago. Is, it is very. It is very much a strike against uh, Margaret Thatcher. Like it was about. Uh, it was about 1984 happening again in England, and a man puts on a Guy Fox mask to, uh, to destroy this new oppressive fascist government. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out in 2006, it's uh, it's just as current. But it's... Alan Moore, there had been options to make this film for a million years, mm-hmm. didn't really make a move until... At the time, the Wachowski brothers mm-hmm. uh, decide, took an interest in it. Sibs, baby. The, the Wachowskis took an interest in it, and they were going to make it. And Alan Moore hated, hated, hated that this was happening. He couldn't stand it. He took his name off of it. And LXG, gave, man. And gave the money to, like he said, you know what? The artist can take my half of the money. I don't want this money. He got something mad. Like, he, he, he honestly sounded slightly crazy complaining about it. But also... He he has a point that like he he doesn't have any artistic vision. He made this thing for X amount of dollars for DC, and now they get to make it into a hundred million dollar movie without his say, and he doesn't like that. Wonderfully successful at the time, yeah. and and yeah. and it took it uh, the film itself. The the filmmakers like they like well we're sorry Alan feels that way but we think we're making something very true to his vision and though it wasn't directed by the Wachowskis. it was directed by James Mateague I believe there's the Wachowski cinematographer yeah yeah and it sucks I I thought this was amazing I think I think if anything the movie holds up by being beautiful it is it is yeah. a wonderfully shot movie and then he I'm, i couldn't wait for the guy's next movie and what was it like 13 oh, assassins it was ninja assassin and then three years after that the raven which sounds like a fucking yeah. uh, arcade game bart simpson would play yeah. <laughs> now the director yeah he didn't go on to do much and it felt like he was just a person propped up by the wachowskis to make a film for them and the film also like it sold itself on you get to see action like you don't. There's yeah. maybe it, honestly the last action scene oh, where yeah. with the knife throwing and almost bullet time. Oh, I have. It, it felt like a concession to the Matrix. Yeah, 
Yeah. Or to Matrix so, but what fans is the, who the premise of the movie uh, as it's, it's adapted from the comic? 1984 like, is an action movie. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, That's except yeah, yeah, you're in a fascistic Big Brother type world. Except now there's a Batman type dude mm-hmm. wearing a Guy Fox mask and a hat, calls himself V, and he says he's going to destroy this government. And he takes in a a young sex worker named Evie to help him do it. And you get to see. Well, she's not a sex worker. Yeah, no, okay, no, sorry. She becomes Jolteon or Flareon when this is over. <laughs> and well, that's one of the many changes to it. Like yeah, she becomes Natalie I, Portman. I will. I will say, reading. I read it before I saw, like way before I saw the movie, and then yeah. I saw the movie, and then I went and read it again. I, I do want to applaud how well it's adapted yeah, because it, the, the comic does not hold up as some it holds up way less it's honestly as, not one well, of my favorite Alan Moore books really yeah, I, I have I mean besides it it's very specific to Thatcher and it's very Alan Moore at yeah. times which means sex I, workers and rapes I and have, all these things and a drug trip yeah. <laughs> I, I have one very specific problem with it which is I think the evil prime minister's name Susan <laughs> it's like well that's my mom's name yeah. that's not very but no I, I distinctly that. remember um that we, Michael and I, walked out of this theater, walked straight to the bookstore, and bought the graphic novel, yeah, and then both read it, it, and was like, "Holy shit!" I thought it was moving as fuck. I said recently, and I, I, on a podcast, the most controversial thing I've ever said is that I don't vote, and I just wish you could have seen little Chris, who did vote and was very politically active, come out of V for Vendetta with his mind blown that Hollywood <laughs> would address all the ills of the Bush administration, uh, the fascist government, and the surveillance state we have grown into. The unassailable totally, Hollywood? Totally obnoxious, and I, ha- I hate old me, and I never want to be that person again because I wasn't very happy, but and I made other people around me unhappy, and that's why I'm not apolitical. I just don't need the world to reflect my values anymore. Mm-hmm. So there. But, but at the time, V for Vendetta absolutely did in a way like most, like no other movie did. And like, the, there was, remember like the comic book movie was rising and, but no one thought mm-hmm. it would, like we'd follow up Spider-Man with this. This yeah. R-rated yeah. action yeah, film was like about Spider- fascism. Yeah, we had Spider-Man 1 and 2, Man is, uh, Superman Returns would be later, will be later this year in 06. So like, there, w- there wasn't like an obviously bankable thing. We should make a yeah. comic book movie, but yeah. like, I, I mean, I think that is on... how it got made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. There were, but it was just weird because like, this seems like something that would have happened now yeah. or in the last five years. I'm like, look how much money all this stuff is making. Instead, yes. it's like, Blade Trinity bombed. Like, yeah. why would you make, why would you just, Spider-Man's all that sells, man. And it's like, weird that this gets, there bu- wasn't even an X-Men 3 yet. Yeah. And this, like, this gets bundled together in like budget Blu-rays with yeah. Constantine and Watchmen. Uh, equal, like Vertigo adaptations, huh? Yeah, Vertigo adaptations um, that Warner Brothers did in a non-connected universe, which was so stupid. Yeah. Nine sites, so, right. yeah. But there is this clip of uh, when Hugo Weaving, who plays Mr. V, yeah, I have his speech. Uh, gives this speech, and it's brought to you by the letter V, actually. <laughs> but he's talking to Natalie Portman, who I guess this is she's been captive for some amount of time mm-hmm. by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he saves her from attack, and then basically takes her captive and indoctrinates her. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and this is before she shaved her head, but uh, this is his big uh, what's going on. Vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance. I really want to insert a bunch of Stone Cold What's in there. <laughs> that, that's that's is that verbatim from a comic? Like I yeah, think there were some bits they just took straight from the comic, and I think the thing that uh, bothered me as a as a comic nerd when I saw it was that they 
they softened V. Like mm-hmm. V in the comic is just the meanest asshole. Like like somebody who would believe that much would be that strictly dogmatic and he he tortures Evie and he does yes. not apologize. Yeah. In the movie he says uh, after he shaves her head and fakes her being kidnapped and tortured, which involves actually kidnapping and torturing her, mm-hmm. he says in the movie Oh, you don't know how hard this was for me. I really didn't want to do it, but you had mm-hmm. to see what it was like for me mm-hmm. that turned me into it. In the comic, he's like, "Good, you know now. Let's let's do it." Like, doesn't apologize. He's a piece of shit. Like, mm-hmm. but it is also who he is. It's more true to the character. Same with when he dies in the comic. Uh, Evie takes on the mask and mm-hmm. chooses to just be the new V instead of everybody donning Guy Fox masks. It's a much and, better ending. Yeah, it is actually a better ending. And, uh, and more uh, conceivable. I can just Hugo weaving in this role. I have watched this recently, and uh, it, it I'm not as mad as I used to be. And there are a lot of things that have changed since '06. That uh, like mm-hmm. that Stephen Fry subplot of like. I host a shitty reality show. I'm a closet gay, and I have to keep a Koran hidden in a secret room. That did feel like it reflected the 06 I was living in, where like Mm. every. You're still seeing it now, where like you're just. You're Muslim, you're bad. Keep that gay shit to yourself. Uh, like, but I, it doesn't feel that strongly. I don't feel that strongly about it anymore. But Hugo Weaving's performance. I gave you clips of his speech. Mm. Uh, I love them so. I, I love the speech so much. Yeah. It was. Oh, I was going to say it's interesting. He wasn't the first guy cast. No, he they, wasn't. They started filming with. I'm blanking on his name. He was on Rome, though. He played Mark Antony on Rome. Yes, he's, he's good. But uh, bringing in Hugo Weaving, who just. Can yeah, do never really never, never ever removes his mask. Yeah, ever. he wow. can do everything. He does it with his voice. Oh, uh, on Michael's behalf, um, his opinion about V has changed some. I don't want to totally put words in his mouth, but pretty much that V's a giant dork. Yeah, well, that, that speech so, in, in he's general. so theatrical and showy for for no one. <laughs> just because just because he's a big old dork, right? This November the 5th, a day that is sadly no longer remembered by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. We think, just let me think. I expect even now, orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. It's Chancellor Sutler. Damn it! Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words are for the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity. And s- oh, is that it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, d- yeah. I don't know. Just uh, I don't feel a lot of that stands now. There was a... I do. Well, some no, definitely like the... the uh, I forgot, but, but you're still being watched all the time. I mean, yeah, but like this, this movie does not factor in like the internet is not part of being watched. It's conveyed through surveillance cameras, like yeah. that, that you're always being watched. Which in England is is a thing. I think the populace is a CCTV, lot more scared of. Yes. Uh, but but like for us, like not to just make the the hack joke of like, well, you know, you're posting what food you're eating from the toilet and like tagging where With you are at all times. And all but that stuff. Uh, but yeah, like 
I don't know. Like most of us have, have kind of given up those freedom uh, in this this weird climate of social media. Well, yeah, because and, social media yeah. makes us all think we're celebrities. Yeah, so we share everything. That includes us. Not, like I don't I'm think it makes, it, it makes you feel celebrities. It just it makes you feel instantly connected to people that you yeah. would have to go out of your way to have a relationship yeah. with otherwise. But there are still things that totally. you do not want people to know about. No, 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 no. For sure. And, and, and when I I just remember the Bush administration of like banning re- certain reporters they didn't like and like censoring documents and and really this i don't know i don't feel i don't feel that way about this administration well the bush never even opened though Mm -hmm. i'm sure they're still doing it i'm sure it exists but the transparency has been kicked up to such a high level what do you think the edward snowden thing was about well that's about that's about the nsa in particular and i I do i do understand that the private privacy issues are still a concern i'm talking more about like just the bush administration like blatantly lying to journalists and like kicking journalists like journalists who asked the wrong questions out of the room that's mm-hmm. that was heading towards a weird fascist regime that V was depicting and we didn't actually get there I don't yeah. think so the movie yeah. doesn't it loses a little bit of bite for me well okay uh, when it came out there mm-hmm. I remember a very interesting uh, two, it, two it, great reviews panel, by the way it, it had in, uh, it had very interesting interviews where I saw Natalie Portman was asked by MTV News is this about now? Is this about now? And she's like, well, I think uh, she gives a very nice answer of saying, I think it's what you bring to it. And I've had a South Korean journalist ask me like, oh, you made this about what's going on in Korea, right? It's about us. Yeah. And and she says, so maybe it's whatever whatever you bring into it. And then Hugo Weaving is just like, yeah, yeah, it's about now. Yeah. Like, it's about Bush. <laughs> like, this is like, duh. I, Hugo Weaving, I don't know where he got, how much fuck you money he has, but his interviews are always bomb. What's yeah. it like to pay Megatron? Didn't care. That was an hour. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would you he's, like me to say? He's great. He's like, I won't be back to be Red Skull. I don't care. No. <laughs> Putting on that makeup again? Nah. Yeah, not doing <laughs> it. No, thank you. Uh, the, I, but the, I the movie, do feel the... Okay, I do feel the elephant in the room, though, about why I think V for Vendetta, for me, doesn't hold up as well, yeah. is because that the Guy Fox mask and mm-hmm. a lot of his talking points have been taken up by a group of people I don't like. But people who picked it up to say, like, oh, what he's talking about are the PC police who are stopping us from saying right. what we want to say. It is tragic. The Guy uh, Fox mask in general. Like, cause, like, I don't hate Anonymous, really. Like, I've seen them do a lot. Like, good, well, uh, courageous acts of hacktivism I have seen from that organization. <laughs> However, it, whenever some, like, you're being brainwashed, man, and you don't even know yeah, it. Yeah, and that is that's something they kind of don't. They miss in V for Vendetta that, like, these responses to such an extreme and he's also a crazy person yeah. and he, even he says he doesn't work in the book he makes it very clear you would need destroyer and creator mm-hmm. in the comic and that, that's why he he lets himself die and let yeah. Evie take over because he says I had to be the guy to burn it all down but somebody has to build it back up yeah. and that's not what I'm for yeah, if you think but if the- you're just taking that half of his argument and then directing it at instead of a fascist government one woman on Twitter who says that there are tropes in video games <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe you're not angling I'm- your V for Vendetta power at the right person yeah. perhaps and in the movie just structurally very it's it's a terrorism a terrorist event and I think yes. that was part mm-hmm. of the movie because that was Terrorism was on the lips of everybody, but the good guy is the terrorist who blows up. Yeah, and that the was Congress, incredibly controversial Parliament. in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. And the old Bailey, and he does it on November fifth, and says, "A year from now, I'm going to do something else." And he doesn't really have a story there of like I, I think I fill in the blanks of like him doing all this these things in that one year period, but he doesn't. Evie does. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. the one who gets to do all this stuff. But also, and then you on top of have the guys who identify with the guy Fox mask. Mm-hmm. Then when you talk about how the plot is. A weirdo 
like that guy who is oh, obsessive, that, who then kidnaps a woman to have to listen to his constant <laughs> talking about it. And it just le- feels weird. And you learn that the real Guy Fox kind of sucks and probably doesn't deserve uh, yeah. an effigy. Yeah. Guy Fox, him. worth being remembered, a Catholic who wanted to blow up Protestants. Like, that's like a religious zealot. But it, I do love it as a time capsule of complete dissatisfaction uh, <laughs> amongst thinking individuals in the in Bush era America. Again, sorry to be political. Well, that's the show. Well, I have I will play his ending clip. I love it so much and I still repeat a word from Mr. Creevy all the time. Now you won't cry like him, will you? You're not afraid of death. You're like me. The only thing that you and I have in common, Mr. Creedy, is we're both about to die. How do you imagine that's going to happen? With my hands around your neck. Bollocks. <laughs> what are you going to do, huh? We've swept this place. You've got nothing. Nothing but your bloody knives and your fancy karate gimmicks. We have guns. No, what do you have are bullets. And the hope that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer standing. Because if I am, you'll all be dead before you've reloaded. That's impossible. Kill him. Love it. And that is when he busts out his matrix. Is the only real like matrix slow mo moves in the whole movie. In the beginning, okay, yes, you're right. I I I don't know. Now I really want to watch the movie. I don't know. Secret VIP or the secret MVP of the movie is Stephen Ray. Yeah, Stephen Fry. No, Stephen Ray. Oh, the guy from Crying Game. Dude, I wow. Dude, you do not see that much anymore. Yeah, and he's just really good. Yeah, and the movie is kind of about him and Evie, not V. Like V is barely in the film. Hmm. Well, I saw most of it on a plane. Natalie Portman <laughs> did shave her head for it, too. Yeah. Uh, that's, I remember that. That's a big deal. Can I, I'm and not allowed to tell my camera. story of that. Camera. I yeah. went to New York in 2005, saved up all my money for the entire summer to go to New York with my friend Mike Bell. And we go to New York, and we're at uh, Katz's Deli, super mm-hmm. famous uh, mm-hmm. giant sandwich place. Ah. And um, I'm, we're looking at this map, and like this woman just says something to me, like, weird, look at all that stuff. I'm like, yeah. Weird. Like, and I see it's just a, a small girl with a shaved head. And I'm not looking at her because, like, oh, what did she just say to me? This is weird. And I'm, we're having a conversation as we're pointing at a map. And I walk away, and my friend's like, do you know that was Natalie Portman you were just talking to? I'm like, no, it wasn't. She has a shaved head. Yeah. That's not a matter. She gets her head shaved for this film. Mm-hmm. I saw her. I apparently had a small conversation with her while mm-hmm. uh, filming this movie. When we were in uh, New Orleans, we uh, sat next to what we were... Uh, pretty sure it was Olivia Wilde pretty and then as sure. the night kept going on we're like really? yeah that's Olivia Wilde was Jason Sudeikis there uh, that's, how you know. no. that's how you know no, they're a package deal <laughs> maybe she was just out with some friends who knows but that's the show thanks for listening uh, lasertimepodcast.com for more articles and other shows that we do I also yeah, do VG yeah. Empire Video Game Music Podcast uh, I'm sure you have other plugs you'd like to share probably Laser Time's a good show occasionally we talk about uh, this show takes many topics and crams them into one show. Laser Time takes one topic and expands upon that topic for a whole hour. And there's even Talking Simpsons if you want some fucking levity to this horrible V for Vendetta conversation. Yeah. Where we talk about every episode of The Simpsons in order. TalkingSimpsons.com, ladies Though and if you liked me going into all that comic book talk for V for Vendetta, <laughs> then there's Cape Crisis, where every week we talk about the new events in the world of comic books and the movies and TVs based upon them, as well as a weekly superhero spotlight where we give a quick history on each on a certain character each episode. And uh, my husband hosts Video Game Apocalypse, which is about video games. I also like those, but I don't know anything about them. I, all my brain space is taken up with his old movies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, with being how to, being able to pronounce Krzysztof Kislowski. <laughs> um, 
But I am on Twitter now at Le Cine Nerd. Uh, yeah. If you want to see me recommend old movies and stuff. By the way, that thing you talked about, a band apart, like the people mm-hmm. on Hulu, a lot of those French New Wave films are in there from the Criterion Collection. Like, Ooh. check them out, guys. Check out, check out 400 Blows. It's oh, really yeah. good. Oh. <laughs> that means it's time for the birthday segment, the end of the show. Home movies. Again, it's always home movies. Thank you so much for making a beautiful song. Uh, birthdays March 11th through the 17th. Uh, birthdays this week include Johnny Knoxville. Newly J. Clapp, his real name. Newly re relevant Mitt Romney. Uh, Steph Curry, birthday this week. Uh, Albert Einstein, Rob Lowe, Mia Ham, 64. Uh, Will.i.am. It was a Mia Ham 64 uh, soccer game show. Common. Kurt Russell, Gary Sinise, Samoa Joe, <laughs> Senor Joe, and now the quiz. Uh, born March 13th, 1950. Uh-huh. Taught himself how to play the ukulele. Tiny Tim. Nominated for an Oscar for his role in a movie we talked about in the last episode. Oh. And is in the TV Matt show Dillon? Shameless. Oh. oh, William H. Mar- William H. H. Macy. Macy. Wow. Uh, is, was born on March 13th. Uh, Happy birthday, Bill. Uh, 1950. Yeah. Bill Macy. Uh, I always calling. loved... Uh, remember the celebrity couple things you'd benefit? You'd co- mm-hmm. combine mm-hmm. two names. Stephen Colbert had a thing about 10 years ago mm-hmm. combining... Uh, Felicity Huffman? Felicity Huffman <laughs> and him into Philium H. Muffman. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yes. But, uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, I that has somehow stayed in my mind this yep. whole time. Taking us out again because I spent so much time listening to Bad Hair Day. We'll go off another track from that. Uh, too many great songs. Check out Bad Hair Day, and again we'll be back with another episode of Thirty Twenty Ten next week. Help me get away from myself. I wanna. You like an